of Genesis. And here's Abraham with his only son, Isaac, about 30 years of age. Verse 9, And they came to the place which God had told him, Abraham, of. And Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. But notice in verse 7, The son asked, Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Dad, you invite me to worship with you like you've always done. And I'm coming, but this time look different. Where is the sacrifice? We're going to pray together. Help me pray. Talk to Jesus. Ask Him to do something in the search for you. Lord Jesus, in every service, it's a divine plan in operation. We are not here wasting your time and our time. There's a word of the Lord for us in every time we come together. Speak to us now. Talk to us, God. Touch our heart. We pray in Jesus' name. My title is, Where is the Sacrifice? May be seated. The Lord said, My servants and I, or I and my servants, have made a covenant of sacrifice. We talk about walking the steps of Abraham. Now many people talk about the steps of Abraham, but don't know what the step of Abraham involved. And we want to know what those steps are. That we could make them, because when Isaac was released from that situation on Mount Moriah, and he had his wife and problems hit him hard, he was about to go down to Gerar. And God stopped him and said, Just a minute here, Isaac. In chapter 26, you read it in there, God said, Just a minute, Isaac. Your answer is not just in the running away from situation. You can't run away from problems to, evade, to escape the problems. That's why God put a little dent on the, the anchor bone of a man called uh, Jacob. But he could run no more. He's always running from his problems. And God said, that's not how you solve problems. You stand and you face them. And to make sure he didn't run from Esau one more time, the Lord knocked his joints out of place so he couldn't run. So anybody could catch up with them. Amen. Laban caught up with them. Esau caught up with them. God caught up with them. Because he couldn't run anymore. God said, face it. And so he faced it. And God said, I want you to go back to the place where you first met me. The place where you told me that you're going to bless me if I bless you. And that was a place where he called Bethel. The beautiful place where he said, this is the gate to heaven. And God wanted to go back to that place. And I hear tonight people giving testimony about going back to the place where they first met the Lord. <clears throat> you're not going to go there and stay there. You're going to go back there and remind yourself how I got this far. When I look behind and wonder how I got this far, if the Lord had not been on my side, where would I be? Where would I be 
but because the Lord has been good to me. I have survived this far. And I believe the journey before us, we will make it. Because God is concerned about you making the journey. God told Elijah, you got a little more ways to go and you can't go the way you are. And so God became an instant chef and baked him a cake. Three times God made him a cake and said, the journey's too far for you. God knows how far you have to go to complete the journey. And by the way, he won't send you empty-handed either or empty stomach. He'll make you the cake you need and, and the fish you need and, and send you on your way because he wants you to make that journey. Well, here's Abraham. Waited 25 years. One word in the Bible bothered people. In verse 1, 22nd chapter, and God did tempt Abraham. Now, a lot of people want to make apologies for God. I don't make apologies for God. He's big enough, bad enough to take care of himself. <laughs> and don't need me to take care of him. He, he can say what he wants and back it up. Amen. And pluck it up if he wants to. And he can do whatever he wants. Now, the Bible says that God tempt no man. What he's saying is God does not entice anybody to sin. That's what James and Peter are saying. That's not what Moses is saying here. God tempt Abraham. What he's saying is God tested Abraham. God test us. Satan tempt us. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so the Bible said, God said, Oh, Abraham, time for worship. Early in the morning. It's good. Early morning worship. You know when you wake up too early? And you figure why you why you're up so early? It's not jet lag. It's time to go pray. Well, jet lag, it's time to go pray. Don't blame the jet on it. It's amen. It's time for ne neology. Praise God. Go pray. Don't come the ceiling tiles. God says, Go early in the morning, go pray. And by the way, on your way to the prayer room, you're gonna find some people going to the gym to jog. That's their religion. I hope you're not going to the gym any sooner than you go to God. And I hope you're not more faithful to the gym than you are to God. Prayer room. And I hope you don't read those novel books more than you read the Bible. Lord have mercy. I'm getting deeper right now. I just started. Amen. Hallelujah. Body exercise profit very little. Now, I know I'm overweight, but bless God, I can sometimes lay away these weights that besets me. But not, these weights don't upset me. They may beset me, but not upset me. So I'm all right. Amen. Now, I feel sorry for those guys who jog early in the morning and run in and beat their poor joints out of place because it won't get them saved. If they're going to rot, I'm going to rot. They're going to rot. We're going to rot. But I'm going to rise and they won't rise. Praise the Lord. And God said, Abraham, it's time for worship. By the way, take your son with you. And they're going for worship. And God have a plot in his heart. Abraham doesn't know it, but he's being tested by God. God knows he's omniscient, but he wants Abraham to live out what he really is. It's not right for folks to prejudge you and then act on their prejudgment. 
God wants people to let you live out what you are, and then He does what needs to be done. That you don't say, "Well, I'm, you know, I'm predestined. I got a predisposition because so and so." No, God don't want it to happen to you. God wants you to live out what you really are, and then He acts accordingly. So Abraham going to take his son. Abraham never had a test like this before in his life. He was willing to let go of Sarah, no problem at all. But Isaac, not so. He clinged to Ishmael, and now he's got Isaac, and God wants Isaac, not Ishmael. Amen. And so God said, go up there. And when he comes to the place, then his son begins to talk to him and says, Dad, yes, son. Well, you know, we've always made this journey, but today's different. Where is the, the, the lamb or the ram or the sacrifice? Oh, boy, don't worry about it. God will provide him. Now, in his heart, he knows he's not telling him the whole story. Now, whether Abraham is prophesying or not, it's up to you. Figure it out. But say, God will provide a sacrifice. Amen. And so, when the time come, he went up on the mountain, and he built the altar with his dad. And then time for the sacrifice, the boy's waiting. God, dad grabbed him and tied him. Well, dad, are you okay? He tied him. It's okay. And he submissively let his dad put him on the pile of wood. Now, what is dad going to do to me? Dad picked that knife up and about to stab him in the heart and kill him. And the boy's looking with his big old eyes. Daddy, are you okay? And God shouted, Do the lad no harm. What's what God call it? Do not harm him. And God says, look to the right or to the left or behind you. And he saw a ram. It's amazing how God does not show you how the problem is going to end. And keep you in, you know, suspense. Keep you worrying how it's going to end. But the end belongs to God. The problem is yours. The solution is his. And God wanted Abraham to trust him. And when Abraham stopped, God said, look behind you, Abraham. And he saw that ram, and he picked the ram up and put the ram in his place. Now, I want to tell you what was happening in the life of Abraham. Where it says, in the steps of Abraham, God gave him a command. Go with the lad and worship me. Amen. God demand a sacrifice. Wherever there's a command and a demand, temptation is always present. Get it right now in your heart is where I'm going. If I get us to you right now, we can stop right now. Wherever God gives you a command, amen, and a demand, there's always <coughs> temptation there. Now, why it says God tempt Abraham, what he's trying to say is, God caused Abraham to wrestle with temptation. What was that temptation? Do I have to obey this command? Do I have to comply with this demand? That's what temptation is. And so Abraham have to face 
Do I obey God or do I disobey Him? I'll sacrifice all right, but this one costs me too much. And I want to offer God that which don't cost me too much. And God said, Abraham, it was always easy for you to offer me that which didn't cost you much. Now I know this one going to cost you a whole lot. And it's easy to go to the flock and pull the ram out and kill them. Okay, got seven more thousands of these. You got five more thousand goats. It was easy. But you have only one son. If you kill him, you don't have another one left. And that's the one I want. In other words, when you give me what I want from you, you don't have anything left. Because you're going to give it all to me. And you're going home empty-handed. 25 years. Now, Abraham, you know how old you are? I don't think you got 25 more years on earth to live. So will you give it to me? You're the retirement age. And of course, everything you saved up for retirement, I'm asking for it right now. And your boy is your retirement program. And I want him at this age, this time of life. Give him to me on the altar. Hallelujah. I don't want you to ask Sarah's permission. I want you telling me what you're going to do with the situation. So Abraham, I want you sacrifice that which you put your love in so much. Abraham had to give God a sacrifice that cost him a whole lot. And that was the temptation. So what God's trying to tell you here, not that he tempted Abraham, but what he asked Abraham to do became a temptation to Abraham. Whether or not he would comply are not comply because that's all he has the only son and God wants the absolute everything he's got and he, Abraham knowing the sacrifice everything is burnt up and so the only way Abraham could console himself to obey God was well I think God could raise him back up well Abraham don't know that but at least he tried to talk to himself if I do kill him I feel God could raise him back up there are no records where God ever had a resurrection back there. So he's just making this up in his mind to console himself, to give himself a reason that if God did take it from me, God can give it back. Now, and so Abraham had to wrestle with that. The next thing is, Abraham had to overcome the, the, the temptation not to do it. Amen. And when he was ready to do it, and bring his hand down, almost going to kill that boy. Amen. The sacrifice is there. The intent is there. And he's overcome his own self-will temptations. And he's coming down to free will to give it to God. God says, I don't want him. Now, Abraham got mad at God. said, God, how dare you change your mind? You told me you want him. And now you're telling me not to give it. Which of those voices should I believe? first voice or the second voice you can't tell God how to behave God can say A down here and say B down there if he wants to it's not your place to argue with God it's your place to carry out what God wants now what I'm telling you this year 
walking in the steps of Abraham, you never know when God's going to visit you and put a command and a demand on your life. And you're going to have to wrestle with it because you will wrestle with it. Amen. How am I going to deal with the situation that God, this is the only thing i got in my life and God wants that, I think. Should I obey Him or not obey Him? Should I give it or should I retain it? What am I going to do? Well, if you want to be a friend of God, you better obey God unconditionally. If you want to be pleasing to God, you have to give God without reservation. And so Abraham, God says, Now I know. Now that's kind of strange. How could omniscient God say, Now I know. Now I know, Abraham basically saying, Now I know that thou lovest me more than him. Now I know that I have your fear above the fear of Sarah. Because Abraham had to wrestle with, if I offer this boy and he never come back to life, what on earth am I going to tell Sarah? <laughs> what will I tell her? <clears throat> Do you fear the wrath of Sarah more than you fear the wrath of God? Are you going to obey God's word or your own temptation? And so Abraham overcome all those and that's when the blessing began to flow in the life of Abraham because the command of God was obeyed, the demand of God was, was submitted to, and the temptation that was in him was overcome and he got the thing called friendship with God. The first man in the Bible ever found such relationship with God. As good as Enoch was, and Noah, and Methuselah, only one man ever gained that position called a friend of God. <clears throat> now let me jump down the road very quickly here and go back to the day of the apostles. Jesus said to the apostles, <clears throat> Hey, you are my friends. Call Jesus my friend. Friend. Not many people Jesus Christ call a friend. Read your Bible. The only person in the Bible he called his friend was Lazarus. Hello. And you know what happened to Lazarus' situation? Those girls were angry at Jesus for taking away their only brother. <coughs> And chide him for not being there to prevent it. Boy, they sure missed it. And they lost confidence in Jesus. They had to beg them, uh, please have faith in God. I was glad I wasn't here to stop this because this brings out the worst of you and the best of you. And it brought out the worst of you because you didn't have no confidence in me that I can allow this and yet bring it around for you. Amen. And amen, you know. Lazarus was the kind of guy, someone says, you can't keep a good man down. Lazarus was behind a tomb, and God, God moved that thing away and brought Lazarus out. And then they believed Jesus. That's not the kind of belief he wants in this church. He wants you believe not knowing. He wants you obey not understanding. Just do it or forget it. 
Merge it, whatever he says. Question it. Figure it out. Check it out. Check it out. Do it and do it now. Don't do it after you thought about it. Just do it now. Because temptation is always present. Blessed is the man that endured what? Temptation. It's common to all men. And not all people overcome temptation. And so the Bible says, God said, now Abraham, now I'm going to bless you. Now my, my question is, what was God doing to Abraham all those other times? Was he not blessing him? I said, no, God was prospering him. And God wanted to go beyond prospering Abraham and now bless Abraham. Because God said, now Abraham, I'm going to bless you and give him all the blessing of the heavens and the, and the earth and below and to every three dimension of blessing he's going to receive. But because Abraham was willing to give to God a sacrifice that cost him something. In other words, the blessing is in the sacrifice. I've lost you down. Let's know where I'm going. I said the blessing is in the sacrifice. But the sacrifice can only happen where there is obedience. Where there is no obedience, there is no sacrifice. <laughs> Which comes first? Sacrifice or obedience? Obedience comes first. And then comes sacrifice. Praise God. And when those two in operation, and you see somebody's complying with God's command and demand, you, you look at somebody who has overcome temptation. Because they never said, why would you have to do that? Why do I have to obey that? Why should I? Why, you know, the why question. And nobody should ask God why. Because he just won't answer why. But Abraham overcome it. Now, then in the 26th chapter of the book of Genesis, here is a man called Isaac, the same guy from the mountain. He wants to go down to Gerar because prosperity and opportunity represent down there and where he was and where God said he should be. And the problem came and God says, Hey boy, do not go down there. Now, God is putting on him, listen now, a command. Do not go there. My word, obey my voice. Even when you don't understand, obey my voice. Even when you can't see the plan, obey my voice. Even when you don't know what's going to happen, what's going to end, obey my voice. Just do as I command. I'll comply as I demand. Do not move. And the stake. Stay right here. And then God reminded him, hey, the blessing you have right now, it came from Abraham. You know, Isaac was the guy who inherited blessing he didn't work for. He didn't get it because he, he gave his life for it. He just handed it to him. He was the benefactor of the spilt over blessing of Abraham in his lap. Because Abraham could not live long enough to enjoy and spend all the blessing that God had in store for him. Now that's amazing. 
all the blessings that God gave to Abraham, he could not live long enough to spend it all. He had to leave the leftovers for his offspring and his further offspring. That's how God blessed bountifully people who obey the command of his voice and the demand of what he requires. And so Isaac have it all, and now God's going to put him through the same sifting. And said, do not go down there, but stay right here. And by the way, the blessing of your father is because he obey my voice. And God stopped talking. God didn't talk one more time. You know, I've been thinking about the man Noah and all the men in the Bible. Only two times God spoke to Noah before the sixth chapter, before the other chapters. God says, Noah, rain is coming. Build an ark. Stop talking. Obey my voice and do my demand. Rain's coming. Build an ark. Here's how you do it. Bye. Gone. Under 20 years, no more conversation. Silence. Noah had to struggle with temptation. That's why it's called a hero of faith. Because he saw no rain. No, no rain. <laughs> Can't prove there's going to be rain. But he's going to obey the voice of God. Amen. And the, the man that got to build an ark, well, he got told him. He doesn't know if he's going to float or not. I'm sure water was not close enough to hope for it would rise. But he did it. And then when God came and I said, Now, get on, get on, boy, get on it. And God closed the window. I said, God, quit talking. All through the flood and the rain, God never spoke one more time. You know, the first time God speaks is the, is the time to listen. Not the second time. Not the third time. But the first time, that's an act of faith. Amen. The second time is fatality. And, and the third time is bad for you. Praise God. And so the Lord said, Now, Isaac, don't go down there. And Isaac did not go. He said, Now, stay where you are and plant. Now, God is telling him to plant in a time of drought. How can you tell a farmer who's well versed that he should plant and sow when the soil is uncooperative? Well, it's not for you to figure it out or calculate how this thing should be. God gave you a demand and a command. I want you so, and I want you stay and do as I say. And now you're going to wrestle with temptation. Well, Lord, it's a lot greener down there, a lot more fruitful over here. Da, 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 da. Now, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but that way always conflict God. Hmm. One guy said, I said, how oh, you know God called to that city? He said, well, because I, I feel it. I thought, boy, you're in trouble. If you run your life by your feelings, you're going to mess up. Because that, that was the sin of Isaac with his two boys. He went, my feelings. And Jacob just knew how to mess that up. Jacob put on false hair, and he felt like his brother. But he was wrong because he went by his feelings. You don't go by the feeling. You go by the voice of God. He said, the voice sounded like Jacob to me, but it feel like Esau. The voice was right. The feeling was wrong. I said, I said I'm telling you how God speaks to people. God speaks to people by the word. It's in there. It's written. 
God speak to you by His Spirit, but sometimes you know you won't listen by the Spirit. Because there are the spirits that mess you up. So God give you a preacher. And all three must say the same thing. There's no room for feelings. For there's no way that seems right unto man. But it seems. You see, you plan, but God rubs it out. God brought it out. And God has his own plan. And it's, it's for you to get into God's program. Because you see, there's a difference between prosperity and blessing. You want both. Amen. And so Isaac decided to obey God. And the devil, in every time he sowed and time to reap, the adversary tempted him to leave. Can they stop what he had, block what he had, and prevented him? And he could say, look, man, if this was of God, it would have been an easy flow. There would have been no opposition. If this was of God, it would have been just a nice open door. Liar, devil. But I said, through much tribulation, you're going to enter into the kingdom of God. You're going to have trouble, honey. Everybody, it still means God is with you. Well, if God is with us, why all this problem? My friend, problem means possibility. Hallelujah. Crisis means, listen now, danger and possibilities, success. The Chinese language. Isaac was reminded that Abram was a man that obeyed God and he sacrificed and God blessed him. And I'm going to say to you tonight, God is saying to you and me, if you want to be a friend of God, you've got to overcome in these three areas. Obey the voice of God. And sacrifice whatever God wants. Now, David taught us how to sacrifice to God. And I'm sure it's from Abraham. Aruna was going to give David what he needed to give to God. Because God told him, go down there and sacrifice to me. Because I'm upset with you. And David went down there and the man, it's an opportunity from God, doesn't it? The guy said, David, take any sheep you want. Take any cows you want. I give it to you and go sacrifice to God. Don't worry, pay for it. It's cheap. It seemed like an opportunity, but it wasn't. David had enough sense to know you don't offer to God that which cost you nothing. If you're going to give to God, you have to give till it hurts. Oh, Lord, I lost you now. If you give it, have your leftovers, God said, you haven't given yet. When Abraham gave Isaac, he has nothing left. He gave it all. All. The apostle put it this way, Lord, we have forsaken some. Some. A little. We have forsaken all. To follow thee. And God of, of, of the, the nerve and that also to name some of the items. Mother. Father, sister, brother, houses, land, children, relationship. And the list is going on and on. He said, well, that's all. And he's defining all to us. Houses, land, everything. Got nothing left. What do we get, Lord? He said, look, in this life, 
and the life to come, I will reciprocate. Hallelujah. Just like He provided the ram, He will provide the lamb. Oh, hallelujah. Just like He does it. Amen. And so I said, Don't worry about it, Peter. Everything's going to be all right. Pop it this way. I have count all things lost. That sacrifice. Why? That Damascus journey. I have forsaken all to follow thee. Hallelujah. Praise God. He says, I count all things lost just for Christ. Now, there's a guy in the Bible that learned a lesson that was costing him his, his, his crown. Saul. God says, Saul, I want you to go down to a certain place and kill those Agites. Wipe them out. The same kind of command he gave to Abraham. Take your son. Saul, wipe out those guys. And God even told him why I wanted to do it. Because they, they, they blocked your, your, your ancestors. And I'm mad at them. Do this for me, please. And, and come back tell me it's all done. Saul came back with a bunch of sheep and cows and cattle <laughs> and a voice of a guy called Agag. And God said, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I blessed that guy. I'm so sorry I made him king. I... He has not carried out my command. And he failed to do my demand. I told him to wipe out the Agites from the small to the greatest. Bring nothing back. Kill them all. But he brought back. He said, Lord, I've done, I done your will. God said, no, you didn't. He said, yes, I did. Simon said, no, you didn't. He said, well, well, look, I killed them all, but I got this left. You know, I want, I want this for sacrifice. Samuel said, look, you know who we're talking to. He said, God taught Abraham that it wasn't all about Isaac. The most important act on Mount Moriah was not Isaac. It was the act of Abraham. Obedience of Abraham was superior to the sacrificial body of Isaac. Folks get that. Isaac, it's not about you. The greater part of the event on Mount Moriah was not Isaac on the woodstock. It was the obedient act of Abraham. Hallelujah. That really had the grand finale. And God's telling this man that your obedience means more to me than any sacrifice that you can make. You can't come to God and tell God tomorrow, Lord, you know, I gave my body to burn. I sold my shoes to give to the church. I shaved my head bald and be a curse, you know, so that you could look good in a situation of cancer. You can't name nothing to God that you've done. But God said, Amen. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. In other words, sacrifice is a, is a definite part of our worship. But obedience is better. Obedience comes first and sacrifice comes after. Hello? First there is obedience, then there is what? Sacrifice. And the third thing is 
we are overcoming because we overcome the devil who told me to disobey. Hello? And told me it's not worth it. But I did it anyhow. And I, and I win the battle. Hello? Take, for example, the man called Job. Job could say, well, God, I have all these balls just for you. Look at all these balls I have. Look at all what, what I go through, God. I lost my family. Da, 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 da. Was that what made Job famous? No. Job resists the temptation to curse God when the sacrifice of his family and his life was in operation. And here's God bragging on Job. There ain't nobody like Job. Nobody in the east like him. And the devil said, okay, there's somebody like him. But who's that? I'll show you. He'll curse it to your face. Was he talking about Job or Job's wife? I think he was talking about Job's wife. Because Job sacrificed his wife's opinion to keep his integrity with God. And oh, he overcome. And God blessed him because of his obedience. He did not chide God, didn't blame God or chide God foolishly. And God blessed him because of the sacrifice and because of his obedience and the fact that he overcome the temptator. So you see, blessings amen, come only after you have been processed. You've gone through that. And God said, it's, I'm sorry I made him king. I'm sorry I put my hand of anointing upon him. I'm sorry I put him in this. Now God knew he would be like that. God knew that very much. Yet God did all this for him. Now church, it does happen. People backslide and still maintain their prosperity. Saul did. But Saul never had a peace of mind. He was prosperous, but demented. Amen. He was never after to kill himself, in spite of him being king and chasing a flea called David. Now, I want to say this to you folks. What about the lady, when the, the man of God called uh, Elijah came to her, and look at this now. Here's a woman, she's a widow. She's got no husband. One kid, she's got one child. A single parent. And it's famine, it's hard time. And the man of God walked up to her and said, Now, hey, come over here. Well, who are you? Well, I'm a Jew, but God said, I'm talk to you. Well, what did God say? God said, tell you, you got some meal, bake me a cake. And by the way, make it for me now. A Shudamite girl? I mean, uh, she, she, I mean, she's not an Israelite. How dare you give me a command like that? But God said, I'm tell you that. Who said? God said. To tell you that what you have in the barrel I wanted now. Oops. It's no different from God asking Abraham for Isaac. Amen. One's with a knife and one's by starvation. You eat that meal, my son gonna starve to death. You're killing your only son. Amen. A demand of God. And that's what it looked like to her. And he said, No. Do as I say. Here's a command. And here's the demand. Now she's got to wrestle with temptation. She said, well, if I do that, we're going to eat the last cake and we're going to die. But now you're going to hurry up my death. You're going to speed up my death if I obey you. 
If I obey you, I better be broke. My barrel will be empty. And my son, who shall be benefited from what I have, won't have it. <coughs> and he's going to die also. And you're speeding up our death. <coughs> you trying to tell me God told you this? But church, she has no name. Because God wants to put some names there. And God said the lady decided to do like Abraham. Not knowing, but ready to go and do it. She walked away with only a command. Bring me the cake first. Make the cake, but bring it to me first. And then you go look and make one for yourself. Hallelujah. There was a command to obey my voice. And a demand to bring to me. And I'm not going to tell you how the rest is going to be done. But while she's on her way walking, the Bible says, while she's walking, it says, and by the way, where you bring it to me, then make yourself one afterwards. Now, the temptation is to argue with the man of God and said, I know when I did what you told me, nothing is left. Why are you mocking me further? Is it not enough that you take what I've got from me and you empty out my, my, my bank account, uh, my meal account is gone? And now you're mocking me to make one for myself. And you know something. <laughs> At least God should tell you when, I, when I'm making that cake, there's nothing left. But she did it. And says, and she watched this lazy preacher eat up all her meal and lick his chops and wipe his mouth and now nah, go make one for yourself. And he's grinning. Now, some of you girl will take your, you know, your 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 Dutchy pot and hit him in the head. I said, "You have my life, you man of God, you bad thing, you." That's not what she did. She turned in obedience, went right back to the barrel, scraped as if there was in there, and didn't argue one bit. And meal came up, and she baked her cake. And she did that for how many years? Three and a half years. Obedience is better than the sacrifice. The sacrifice is when she make the cake. The obedience is when she in her heart determined to obey the man of God. And step out by faith, the Bible let us know, and she began to carry out the command. And she overcome temptation. She could have argued, but she didn't. God put that there. But it's not always that successful with God's people. Because here's a young guy came to Jesus Christ and said, Well, Lord, uh, what must I do to have eternal life? I mean, the guy I want eternal life, like every one of us. I want eternal life. I want to be a Christian, or I want to be a child of God. You know, I want to keep it. God said, Well, well you know what the Bible says. What the Bible says, well, keep the commandments. Well, which one? <laughs> which one should I keep? God said, well, in the first commandment. He said, well, I've kept that too. I said, and third, I've done all that too. He said, oh, yes, you have. I said, hey. Now, Jesus knew where this guy was. I don't believe that. He knew where he was. Amen. It sounds like he's obeying the commandments of God. Then the Lord said, now, I'll tell you what. If you're going to be perfect. Now, if you're going to be perfect, because the law makes nothing what? Perfect. If you're going to be perfect on a New Testament plan, here's what you have to do now. Anybody who's a New Testament Christian are people that sell out all to follow me. 
Man, you think you haven't sold that hall yet, man, friend. You're not yelling for God because there comes a time in your life when God wants that Isaac you have. I want you to become perfect because God told Abraham, walk before me and be thou what? Perfect, meaning perfect in all things. Go sell all that you have. That's your command. Give it away to the poor. And then come back and follow me. That's the demand. Follow me. You know what he said? Didn't argue. He hung his head and said, Sorry, Jesus. <laughs> you got the wrong guy. I don't want perfection that much. Bye bye. You keep your eternal life, and I keep my riches. Mm -hmm. You keep your eternal life, and I keep my riches. And you tell those poor, they're not going to eat from my table. So the young lad walked away, and he never, never obeyed the voice of God. He never fulfilled the demand of God. And the Lord said, I loved him. But how hard is it going to be? For people who are possessors of things, but will not, amen, give the possession up for the creator of all things. Hello. Now, this young man had no idea what God had in store for him had he obeyed the command of God. Because nobody is poor in coming to God. Because he became poor that you may become rich. But the way he does it, it's not by your own sword or by your own ingenuity. It's going to be on a level where God gets the glory and not you when you tell the story. And so he didn't get it. And God said, the eye of a needle, which is so small and minute, a camel have more hope to go through there than this guy who will not obey my voice, will not fulfill my demand, and will not respond properly, but give in to temptation. Did you know the Apostle Paul was also a young man who had the same challenge when the Damascus journey. The Lord Jesus met him in the heavenly scenery and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? From that moment he heard a voice. Here's what he said. What will you have me to do? I am ready to obey your command. I'm ready to carry out your will. Just give me direction and I'll do it. Two different guys. One would not and the other says I will. He said, go to the place called straight and you will be told what to do. When Paul reached age 80 and they're going to cut his head off, you know what he said? I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. He said, I got a word from the Lord, and I obeyed his voice. Now, what God tell me, a lot of people in Murray will not be saved, because to them, Christianity is too demanding. It requires obedience, and the temptation of the temptator is going to overcome them. That's why many people are not true Christians. And that's why easy believism has a great market out there, because there's nothing to do. It's a do-nothing Christianity. Get everything for nothing. And it doesn't work. 
the blessing and the sacrifice goes together. If you don't release, God will not increase. That's all there is to it. You don't sow, you will not reap. You don't obey, you're not going to get it. Israel would not pay tithe and offering, and God sent drought and famine and problem on their lives because they would not obey the command of God, and they would not bring it to God, which was a demand. And the response was, they said, what profit is it that we do these things unto God? Hello? But the Apostle Paul, in closing, said, I counted all things lost. Now, a lot of people think successful Christians are rich. And the truth is not so. Not really so. But there's a difference. When Joseph was in Egypt, he told his father, when you have family reunion and you come before Pharaoh, Pharaoh is not used to Egyptians living as long as you've lived. And Pharaoh's going to ask you, how old are you? And he's going to tell Pharaoh some story about himself. And he wasn't glorifying his flesh, he was glorifying God. And when he asks you, what's your profession? You tell him that you are a shepherd. Because a shepherd is an abomination to an Egyptian. And they have no dealings with them. They won't eat with them, won't talk to them. So that he may send you in a land called Goshen. Hello. Now as long as Jacob obeys his son's voice, he will end up in a land of plenty. A land called Goshen. You know? And so it looked like it's a forsaken place, but it's the place that God has his eyes on. And the Bible said when the, when the famine came, and when all the plague came, Goshen was not affected. Because of what? The man called Jacob obeyed the voice of his own son. And did the right thing. And he ended up over there, and that's where Israel grew, let's stand, and prospered. I'm going to ask you a question. Why did Moses not enter the promised land? Anybody know why? Moses did not obey the voice of God. And he failed in the demand of God. God said what? Speak to the rock. That's the command. Right? And God said, do it before the people. And he did what God did not demand. He smote the rock. Here's what happened. Water came, but he got locked out. I want to ask you a question. Adam, why did he get kicked out of paradise? He did not obey the voice of God. And he did what God did not demand. He touched that fruit and died. Temptation was the problem. I'm saying to you tonight, Isaac, obedience, amen, Paul, sacrifice, and Job, resistance of temptation, should be a role model for this church. The blessing is in the sacrifice. But sacrifice does not take preeminence over obedience. There's a man I know of. <laughs> he, he tried to bribe God. He wouldn't pay his tithe and offering. But every so often he would come, this big old cow or goat, to try to give the preacher. He says, I don't want that. I don't need that. He said, come on. That's for what I didn't pay for tithe. He said, no, you don't give it to me. 
you're going to give it to God. The, the, the command is, bring it to God's storehouse. And your storehouse will become God providing house for you. I don't want your cows. I don't want your cattle. I just want your obedience. Hello. That's all God wants. Your obedience. Amen. You can't, you can't buy a car, God car a Rolls Royce, and impress him. Everything is his. Praise God. Hallelujah. God told Israel, bring me all the, the, the silver and the gold and bring me an offering and build me a, what? a, a tabernacle that I'll dwell with you. They said, we're not going to do it. Some did, some didn't. And those who did, they build a what? And try to get God to go along with it. And God said, I didn't demand that. I asked you to use the gold and the silver to build me a tabernacle. It smelled different, looked different, smelled different. And they built a golden calf. And God said, I'm not interested in your golden calf. I want your tabernacle. Let's bow our heads. I want to ask you right now. I know you got friends and I've got friends who think we're crazy to take up our cross and follow Jesus. I've had people who mock me and my job used to say to me, you give you your money to that church? I don't give my money to any church. Never did. Not once in my life. I gave back to God a portion of what He gave me. My wife would have this thing with our neighbors. Our neighbors are cantankers, do terrible things sometimes. I said to my wife, I don't answer those guys. This land is not mine. A few years from now, somebody else will possess it. And then they'll have to leave it, and somebody else will possess it. It belonged to God. <coughs> Everything we have is just barred from God. Nothing on earth are going to take us to heaven, but one thing, we that obey the gospel. Only obedience is going to get us to heaven, not our sacrifice. Hello? And temptation is the spoiler that tells me, you don't have to do that. You have to dress, you know, we've got churches like that. You have to dress this way. You have to obey all this, whatever they call it. One man take me to his house. In fact, more than one have done that. One also said to, to her husband, I mean, the wife, the husband said to the wife, invite him to the church. I mean, to her, to the home. And give him dinner. And when he's dead, I can shoot him. Can you believe that? A wife from this church was told to invite him to the house so that I can shoot me in this house. It's amazing, isn't it? He has some strange ideas. Hello. Praise God. But telling how much we sacrifice for God. I said, look, friend. It's no use to sacrifice if you're not obeying the gospel. Our world is filled with philanthropists who gave houses and land and real estate and da, 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 but they have not obeyed the gospel. So all they're giving is what? In vain. But the widow with her little might walking down that track and giving to God in obedience to the word of God Jesus says she'd done a whole lot more just like Lazarus. Lord Jesus, we thank you right now tonight, God, that you want from us first our obedience.